Chapter 24, Preparation for Christ's Coming This is from the Review of February 17, 1853. Dear brethren and sisters, Do we believe with all the heart that Christ is soon coming, and that we are now having the last message of mercy that is ever to be given to a guilty world? Is our example what it should be? Do we, by our lives and holy conversations, show to those around us that we are looking for the glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who shall change these vile bodies and fashion them like unto His glorious body? I fear that we do not believe and realize these things as we should. Those who believe the important truths that we profess should act out their faith. There is too much seeking after amusements and things to take the attention in this world. The mind is left to run too much upon dress, and the tongue is engaged too often in light and trifling conversation, which gives the lie to our profession. For our conversation is not in heaven, whence we look for the Savior. Angels are watching over and guarding us. We often grieve these angels by indulging in trifling conversation, jesting and joking, and also by sinking down into a careless, stupid state. Although we may now and then make an effort for the victory and obtain it, yet if we do not keep it, but sink down into the same careless, indifferent state, unable to endure temptations and resist the enemy, we do not endure the trial of our faith that is more precious than gold. We are not suffering for Christ's sake and glorying in tribulation. There is a great lack of Christian fortitude and serving God from principle. We should not seek to please and gratify self, but to honor and glorify God, and in all we do and say to have an eye single to His glory. If we would let our hearts be impressed with the following important words, and ever bear them in mind, we should not so easily fall into temptation, and our words would be few and well chosen. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him, and with His stripes we are healed. Every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. Thou, God, seest me. We could not think of these important words and call to mind the sufferings of Jesus that we poor sinners might receive pardon and be redeemed unto God by His most precious blood without feeling a holy restraint upon us and an earnest desire to suffer for Him who suffered and endured so much for us. If we dwell on these things, dear self with its dignity will be humbled and its place will be occupied by a childlike simplicity which will bear reproof from others and will not be easily provoked. A self-willed spirit will not then come in to rule the soul. The true Christian's joys and consolation must and will be in heaven. The longing souls of those who have tasted of the powers of the world to come and have feasted on heavenly joys will not be satisfied with things of earth. Such will find enough to do in their leisure moments. Their souls will be drawn out after God. Where the treasure is, there will the heart be, holding sweet communion with the God they love and worship. Their amusement will be in contemplating their treasure, 
the holy city, the earth made new, their eternal home. And while they dwell upon those things which are lofty, pure, and holy, heaven will be brought near, and they will feel the power of the Holy Spirit, and this will tend to wean them more and more from the world, and cause their consolation and chief joy to be in the things of heaven, their sweet home. The power of attraction to God and heaven will then be so great that nothing can draw their minds from the great object of securing the soul's salvation and honoring and glorifying God. As I realize how much has been done for us to keep us right, I am led to exclaim, Oh, what love, what wondrous love hath the Son of God for us poor sinners! Should we be stupid and careless while everything is being done for our salvation that can be done? All heaven is interested for us. We should be alive and awake to honor, glorify, and adore the High and Lofty One. Our hearts should flow out in love and gratitude to Him who has been so full of love and compassion to us. With our lives we should honor Him, and with pure and holy conversation show that we are born from above, that this world is not our home, but that we are pilgrims and strangers here, traveling to a better country. Many who profess the name of Christ and claim to be looking for His speedy coming know not what it is to suffer for Christ's sake. Their hearts are not subdued by grace, and they are not dead to self, as is often shown in various ways. At the same time, they are talking of having trials. But the principal cause of their trials is an unsubdued heart, which makes self so sensitive that it is often crossed. If such could realize what it is to be a humble follower of Christ, a true Christian, they would begin to work in good earnest and begin right. They would first die to self, then be instant in prayer and check every passion of the heart. Give up your self-confidence and self-sufficiency, brethren, and follow the meek pattern. Ever keep Jesus in your mind, and that He is your example, and you must tread in His footsteps. Look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame. He endured the contradiction of sinners against Himself. He for our sins was once the meek, slain lamb, wounded, bruised, smitten, and afflicted. Let us, then, cheerfully suffer something for Jesus' sake, Crucify self daily, and be partakers of Christ's sufferings here, that we may be partakers with Him of His glory, and be crowned with glory, honor, immortality, and eternal life.